Please turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. We are doing a mini-series since it's the month of December um, and coming up towards Christmas uh, regarding the prophecies surrounding Christ's birth. Uh, it was something that was, I was a little bit hesitant to do, um, but the Lord just impressed on me that this was important. And I think, you know, just it was important to look at all the things that were said leading up to his birth, because those prophecies were God talking. Um, and I think that's important, you know, so as, as much as we, we want to know what events took place, uh, it's also important to see what was prophesied, what was actually announced um, regarding his birth. And uh, that's the reason why we're looking at these verses right now. And uh, last time we, I, I don't think I want to read all of it, <laughs> um, but last time we looked at the angel Gabriel when he came down to Mary and all the things that he spoke to her. Again, remember, he's the one that says, I stand in the throne of God. You know, others fall before his throne, but he stands. He's an archangel. And, you know, we need, to listen, we need to listen to what he said. But something very interesting happens following his departure. And so I want to begin in Luke chapter 1 and verse 39, where it says, Now Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Now remember again that just before the angel left, he announced to Mary that she was pregnant. And he, had, he said that she who was called barren is now six months into a pregnancy. I think that's extraordinary. Um, and so this is her cousin, by the way. And so she decides she's going to get out there. She's going to go meet her cousin. <laughs> this was important. Amen? And so verse 41 says, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And it says at the same time, now this is really key. It says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? The moment that that greeting occurred, it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that is really significant. That right then and there, see, normally this, the Holy, this, this is something really uh, extraordinary because the Holy Spirit was re reserved for the prophet, the priest, and the king. Okay? Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the Jews had a very low opinion of women. They wouldn't even teach him most of the time. <laughs> okay? And um, which is why it was so extraordinary that Mary was chosen. Amen. Now, listen, this wasn't God's idea that they weren't, they weren't taught, by the way. This was man's idea. This was religion that had kicked in, which is the reason why Jesus had so many issues with the things that they were doing. Over and over again, you see him challenging them and them getting upset. Instead of them repenting, and I'm talking about the religious leaders, instead of them repenting and saying, oops, sorry, we got that wrong, they kept arguing with him and kept insisting on what they were doing was right. And I don't know how many times, you know, he would, he would just, just confront them. But I think it's extraordinary now. Something is happening that is turning their, their religious world upside down. 
as God begins to come in and begins to show the way things should have been. Amen. Amen. And so here now, she's not a, you know, she's not a prophet or a king. Yes, she's a priest. But this is a woman. <laughs> okay? Isn't it interesting the Holy Spirit didn't say, whoa, wait a second, this is the wrong gender. Something was going on. Something new was coming in. Something that, I should have, that should have been there from the very beginning. You know what's really sad? I'm taking a moment to digress here, or let me. Okay. <laughs> what's really sad is that the church should have been leading the way in all of these things. Had the church done the right thing from the beginning, then we wouldn't have the problems that we have today where things have gone too far. To an, in, in another direction. I'll just say that. You <laughs> have to be careful what you say up here. You know? And instead of us sort of instead of us looking and saying, this is right, this is not. Equality with you know with, with the genders is right. Equality regarding skin color is right. But there are other things, and I won't mention, and you all know what I'm talking about, that are wrong. We don't care how you feel. Hello. Okay? And the thing is, because we were so backward, and I'm sad to say, even now we seem to be that way. And, you know, I'm looking at it sometimes, and I look at, yeah, boy, we are digressing. Anyway, I look at it sometimes now, and I'm thinking, dear God, even the church has now gone in the wrong direction in a lot of things. The other way. You know, where's the middle? Where is what's right? And I just think, you know, we're really living in the last days because of all of this. But getting back to this, you know, I think, isn't it wonderful that God just goes past all religion? And, you know, and I think what's even more extraordinary, had I, if I had time and, and teaching all of this, I just think it was extraordinary at the time of Jesus' birth, because we're not going to look at that, so I'm just going to share this with you now. Okay? Uh, and beyond that, how God kept going past the temple. He wouldn't stop there. He would go to shepherds. All the priests were in the temple. He didn't stop there. He just went straight to the shepherds and said, something extraordinary is going on. Angels are singing, not in church, so to speak, not in the synagogue. I shouldn't say church. Not in the synagogue, because we are the church, okay? The angels are not singing in the synagogue. They're singing out in the fields. And then when John is baptizing... The Spirit of God, the Word of God comes not to the synagogue and all the priests, but to John out in the wilderness. I just think it's extraordinary the way God just keeps bypassing all religion constantly. And He keeps going to those. And it doesn't matter whether you're part of the first church of the whatever. He doesn't care about all your status. He doesn't say, now you know, we should do the right thing here. Etiquette says we need to go to the first church because they're, after all, the first church. And we need to, he doesn't care about all of that. He, God looks on the heart. That's right. Amen. Remember, <laughs> you know where that comes from, right? Remember when, when, when Samuel came to anoint, because God said, I have chosen one from Jesse's family. Go anoint him. And, and you know, again, we're digressing, but let, let's just go there. Okay, I just want to talk about things today with, to you. And, you know, he goes to Jesse and says, bring all your sons. 
And so he brings all his sons. And, you know, I can just imagine Samuel. You know, I understand the priest, okay? And I can just imagine Samuel going, okay, Jesse's got all these kids, and none of them are doing anything for me. I mean, <laughs> none of, oh, come on, man. Okay, let's be real. None of them is doing anything. I mean, they look cool and all. One looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you'd want to pick him, and you know, there's nothing. I've got nothing. I don't want to go pick the wrong one. And the question he asked Jesse is extraordinary when he says, you got any more? <laughs> like, Jesse's going to go, well, let me go see. <laughs> you know? Because he said, bring me all your sons. He didn't. This is interesting. He goes, yeah, I got one out there looking after the sheep. The youngest runt. You really want him? You know, that's, we, we don't think too much about that. You know, it's there. It's another kid, you know. <laughs> you know, after the first one or two, it just kind of wears out. <laughs> oh, we had another one? <laughs> fathers filling in, you know, details about their kids, their birthdays. Can fathers relate? You know, after a while, he kind of goes, when was that one? <laughs> I'm getting a nod. Yes, okay, all right. <laughs> you know, there's, and so there's, you know, David out there somewhere watching sheep. I mean, he wasn't even considered part of the family. You'd think the dad would say, leave the sheep for the moment. Important prophets coming in said he needs to see all of you. I don't know why. But anyway, you better come in. Wasn't what he was told. And when he comes in, that's when Samuel says, I've got this right, haven't I? It's Samuel, isn't it? You know, that's when Samuel says, this is the one. I can just imagine all the brothers, including the eldest one, going, you got to be kidding. That one? And that's when it says, God looks on the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. You know, and that's what's going on now. God has always looked on the heart. And the church should have known that from the very beginning. It should have never been genders or colors of skin or anything else. God looks on the heart. And if he sees somebody worthy, he will anoint, he will bless, he will work through them, he will minister to them. I don't know how many times throughout history women have gotten up and began to minister and the men have said, oh no, we can't have anything to do with, because you're a woman. Wow. And then we say, oh God, how come you're letting all this stuff happen? That's why the Apostle Paul wrote something extraordinary in Galatians when he said, Now there is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, born nor free. I think I got that mixed up the last two. Okay, but he was saying, listen, that has always been the way. God never cared. Let them have dominion was what he said in Genesis. And he never said let him have dominion over her. Amen. Can I, can I just say this, you know, and I'm going to be a little male about this, so forgive me, okay? Please take it this in the right spirit, okay? I understand that, you know, males have a, a tendency to protect. Uh, can I say that without somebody throwing a stone at me? Okay, thank you. All right, okay. I'm not saying women don't. I'm just saying as a man, I don't know as a woman, okay? Don't, okay, but I'm just saying as a man, I know that's something that I know we want to do. I know we want to protect, and I, I know we want to look off. That does not mean we have authority over them. That does not mean that she doesn't get a say. Just because I'm protective doesn't mean 
I say what happens and she just shuts up and does what I say. I always check with her. That's a different thing. See, we can't get these things mixed up. Just because you feel that way doesn't mean you take their rights away. You do that on your own, dude. We protect, we look after. Even if they want to go do the wrong thing, we still protect and look after. And sometimes what we think is wrong was actually right. <laughs> and thank God they went ahead without listening to us. Amen to that too. All right, well, you're saying amen before you need to say amen now. All right, <laughs> so <laughs> getting back, this is not what I decided to preach on today, but never mind. This way, I just said, God, go wherever you want to go. So we're going wherever he wants to go. So I want you to see something extraordinary happening here, and that is God is moving, and something happens. Mary comes and greets Elizabeth, and suddenly something happens. Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Praise God. And then she starts doing something extraordinary. She begins to prophesy. Wow. So we're going to have a look at what she says and then what Mary says following that. Verse 42. <laughs> Do I need to go back to verse 41? Let me go back to verse 41 just to tie them together. And it says again, and it happened. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, we don't know what she said. It just said she greeted Elizabeth, okay? That the babe, that is uh, John, on the inside of Elizabeth, leaped in her womb, and at the same time, oh, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she, that's Elizabeth, spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Now, how does she know any of this stuff? This has just happened. It wasn't like Mary got on the phone. <laughs> okay, you know, dialed Elizabeth and said, I'm coming over. I got something amazing to tell you. This is, this is prophetic. So, remember the anointing has hit her. The Holy Ghost has come upon her. She's beginning to move now in the gifts of the Spirit. They're actually not gifts. They're manifestations. What's the difference? The difference is if it's a gift, then you just kind of, you know, you get a gift and that's what you get. If it's a manifestation, it means that the individual that's inside of you can manifest in whatever way he wants. You all get the difference? Gift means it's maybe one or two things. Manifestation means whatever he wants to do. Whatever time he wants to do it, he'll do it. Amen. It's, that's why it says the spirit wills. Not because I got a gift. You better not. It better be God. Hello. <laughs> okay. Amen. Uh, when we're doing the Holy Spirit and His gifts, we'll look at that. Anyway, getting back to this. <laughs> and she says again, she spoke up with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. And she says, And blessed is the fruit of your womb. Which means that Ma Mary now is pregnant. Remember that she, the last thing that we heard was, Let it be unto me according to thy word. That's the last thing we heard. Something miraculous was going to happen. She had to believe and receive. Uh, let me say it again. She had to believe and receive for the thing to happen. So obviously she believed and received, and now her cousin is confirming it. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? Okay. In prophecy, in a way that she should never have known. Isn't it interesting when you're getting something from God and somebody comes to you and says, you know, I'm getting this for you. 
And it might be the exact scripture you've been thinking about and thinking, God, will you please confirm this? And somebody comes and says to you, you know, I am keep getting the scripture for you. And you go, thank you, God. That's all I need to know. Because they didn't know anything about what you were doing. And that's why it made it significant. Amen? All right. Verse 43. This is extraordinary what she's about to say. But why is this granted to me? Can I just stop? Just let me say something here first. Remember that Elizabeth and Zechariah are really old. Remember that? That she was past the age that they could have kids and she was barren. And they were, these weren't young little spring chickens. I mean, weren't as old as Abraham and Sarah, I don't think, but okay, they weren't young, okay? And I think this is extraordinary now because remember, Mary is very young. She hasn't even been married yet. And, you know, those are the days when you go, oh, you're 13 and not married yet. What's wrong with you? You know, that sort of an attitude, okay? So you can understand that she's, she's quite young. She's not that young, but I just want to give you some kind of perspective here. All right? So I want you to understand now this is a very much older uh, cousin speaking to a very much younger. This is not a couple of years difference. This is a huge difference. Okay? Watch, you need to know this to understand the significance of what's about to be said here. And again, Elizabeth says, but, uh, I mean, Luke 143, but why is this granted to me that the mother, listen to the words, the mother of my Lord should come to me. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. She didn't just look down on her and go, hey, cuz. What happened? I didn't hear about this from Joseph. <laughs> okay? Yeah, hello. Okay, I'm just... All right, something is going on here because God's involved. <laughs> Amen? All right. Uh, I think MacArthur, MacArthur writes this. He says, It was a profound expression of Elizabeth's confidence of, that Mary's child would be the long-hoped-for Messiah, the one whom even David called Lord. All right? Notice the mother of my Lord. She didn't say the mother of the Lord. I think this is also really key. She, no, she, she identified that the baby that was in Mary was literally her Lord. As much as he was Lord, he was her Lord. This is, this is incredible. See, it's only when you understand that little piece that you begin to understand why the wise men came and worshipped Jesus, not Mary. Because they recognized the king of the Jews. Amen. Remember, we, we, I'm planning on going and looking at that at Christmas, at the next service. You know, when they, when they went to Herod, who proclaimed himself king of the Jews, okay, under Roman authority, but okay, and the wise men go, we're here to find the person that's born king of the Jews. You can just see Herod having a heart attack. Well, it would have been good if he did. But anyway, <laughs> you, know, you know, that really upset him because of all the things he did to get there. So that's why this is so very important, what she's saying here. She says again, but why is it granted me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, verse 44, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, this is when uh, Mary came and said hello to her, however she greeted her. The babe leaped in my womb for joy. Isn't this something incredible? Now remember, Elizabeth is having a miracle, a miracle happening as well. This is a miraculous little child in her. That's right. 
She didn't say, I got a miracle baby. You got one, but I got one too. You know what I'm trying to say? She, she had a miracle happen to her as well. Something extraordinary has happened to her, and yet she's rejoicing in what's happened to Mary. And she's saying that even what's on the inside of her, which is a miracle, is rejoicing over it as well. Wow. See all the stuff we missed? Because we all want to see that, oh, and here come Mary and Joseph on the little donkey. And, you know, they went to the little stable. And they, you know, had the little... You know, this, all of this happened before that. I think it's important that we see this, acknowledge it, and realize something incredible was going on. God was announcing to man that God was coming to this earth. Wow. Not a prophet. Not some really good guy. But God was about to come down into this earth. Amen. Like I said, only God could redeem man back to God. It took God the Son to redeem man back to God the Father. Amen? To God on both ends. Anyway, back to this. <laughs> so again, she says here, For indeed, as soon as, I'm back in verse 44, As soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Verse 45. Blessed is she who believed. I want you to notice what Elizabeth says here. See, she's still speaking in the spirit now. She says, blessed is she who believed, which means that Mary believed. We need to see this as well, okay? This is confirmation when she said, be it unto me according to your word. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. How does she know any of this? She's saying, listen, you are blessed because you believed and everything that you were told is going to come to pass. You need to know that. Isn't that good how God confirms his word with some kind of sign following? And in this case, we have Elizabeth not knowing anything about all of this, bursting out with this prophecy, a baby that's a miracle on the inside of her, leaping, she being filled with the Holy Spirit, all kinds of stuff's happening. God is certainly confirming his word with all kinds of signs following. Amen. In his commentary, I, I really love this. In his commentary, William Hendrickson writes, what deserves special attention is, is this outstanding fact, namely that in Elizabeth's entire exuberant exclama um, exclamation, envy never raises its head. Elizabeth was, after all, much older than Mary. Yet this aged woman is deeply conscious of her own unworthiness and genuinely rejoices in the joy of her much younger relative. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it beautiful how John is going to speak about his younger cousin and say, I'm not even worthy to tie his sandals. Isn't this something? Like mother, like son. This time in a good way. <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. Anyway, and in response to this revelation and blessing from Elizabeth, now we have Mary's response. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. 
This is Luke 146 47 says, And my spirit has rejoiced in God. Listen, she doesn't say the Savior either. Watch her words. In God, my Savior. Why does Mary need a Savior if she's perfect, like so many believe? I just want to make a little point there. As much as Elizabeth knew that that was her Savior, Mary knew that that was her Savior as well. Something is going on here. Mary is just a steward of what God has given her, just like we are stewards of what God has given us. And we can't say that belongs to us. And we'll decide what we want to do with it. And Mary kind of forgot this at one point. Remember when they, 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 they won the, the caravan. They're heading home. And they go, hmm. So I feel like we're missing something. And Joseph goes, what? I think we got you know, the camels and everything. Yes. Uh, did we not have a kid somewhere? How many of us have sort of drawn off from McDonald's? <laughs> we got the burgers, we got the fries, what else do we need? <laughs> and the kid, the child. <laughs> okay, so anyway, you know, and they suddenly think, whoopsies, we forgot. <laughs> Can just imagine them going, so we went to God and we said, God, <laughs> Can we have another one? We lost the last one. You know, <laughs> so they're frantic. This is a child that has been given to them. And when they find him, remember he's in the temple and he's wowing everybody out. And they find him and they say, you, you, you know, why did you do this to us? And she says, your father and I were upset, so to speak. And he reminds her very gently where do you think I would be except in my father's house? Right. I do not belong to you. Did you get that? Because God was his father. That's why we have to be so careful that we don't call Mary the mother of God, so to speak. She's the mother of the human Jesus. Remember, Jesus is both man and God. You all know that? Okay. The God part of him was always God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God without Mary there. Just want to add that little bit in. <laughs> okay? And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That flesh was required to dwell among us. That flesh came from Mary. That's the part. So Mary gave birth to Jesus, gave him a body so that he could do what he needs to do. Literally a house where God could live in. This is one of those very strange things where Jesus' humanity came from Mary and his deity came from God. It's one of those really strange things. And you've got to be careful. You need to understand that she says, my Lord. She didn't say the Lord. She said, my Lord, because she needed a Savior herself. Amen? I don't want to make too much of it, but I think that's really important that she said, rejoiced in God, my Savior, my Savior. All right. Verse 48. It says here, for he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. That's just an expression of humility, by the way. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. The literal text says, for all generations are going to praise God. Listen, this is the literal text. 
are going to praise God because of the marvelous manner in which he has honored me. Did you get that? We read this, but that's what it says, okay? Mary now turns her attention to God's power, holiness, mercy, and strength, and says this. I love this. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. I really love that. She acknowledges, she's going to start worshiping God now, by the way. This is her worshiping God. This is how you worship God. You don't say, my problems are mighty. And where are you, God? <laughs> okay? You say, God, you're mighty. And my problems better watch out. You need to get this. We, we don't know how to do this. I'm talking about we as in the church collectively. Okay, not you guys. But, you know, the church has not learned how to do this. They haven't learned how to magnify God. I used to sing a song when I was reading praise and worship in the old churches. You know, it said, let us magnify the Lord. We don't know how. So all we did was go, we magnify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord. That's not magnifying the Lord. Magnifying the Lord is saying, God, you are powerful. You're amazing. You are bigger than all my problems. Anything that the devil tries, he will regret. You are on my side, God. You are mightier than anything and everything that the devil can do. Any dumb thing that I can do. <laughs> okay, because sometimes we do dumb things. This is how you worship him. Do you know why you do that? Not so that God says, ah, yes, yes, keep it coming, keep it coming. My insecurity is almost gone. <laughs> okay? That's not the reason why. Because we need to remind ourselves who is, because he is ever ready to act on our behalf, but we're the ones that switch it off. We keep saying, oh, well, you know, I, I, you know, and this is where, now I'm getting into some doctrine, but anyway, this is kind of where the problem sometimes is that, I said this to you before, there is what we say on the outside and what we actually believe on the inside. We have a duality to us. And we really need to identify that. I know I'm constantly doing it to myself. And we need to deal with that. Amen. And I got three minutes. I better deal with that. All right. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? <laughs> okay. She, she says, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. Verse 50, and his mercy is on those who fear him. I, this is reverence, okay? I need you to understand something very significant here. His mercy isn't on just everybody. His mercy is on those who fear him, who reverence him, who honor him. That's where the mercy kicks in. Do you know why? Because it, it keeps the door open for him to act on your behalf and to bless you. Amen? And it says, from generation to generation. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. This is denoting power, okay? And his willingness to show favor and strength to, to those who reverence him. But watch this, but to those that oppose him, it goes to say, he has scattered, that is dispersed, broken up, and, and chased in all directions. That's what the literal text says, okay? He's the proud in the imagination of their hearts. I think this is really interesting. The proud imagine great things. 
The proud imagine they can do without God. The proud imagine that, oh, it's only, you know, religion is a crutch. That's for all those weak people out there that can't get on without, you know, something to lean on. And that they have that kind of mentality. You know, they want to sing, I did it my way. As they go to hell. Sorry about that. Okay. Yeah, you did it your way. But the thing was, it wasn't your way. It was the devil's way. If you're not doing it God's way, you automatically do it the other way. This is a thing, by the way. Okay. There isn't kind of this, you know, and then uh, which religion are you? Oh, good. You can come over here. Which religion are you? Oh, you're on the left on the bus over there. And it doesn't happen that way. There was God and there was his creation. And one of them fell. And then with that, he started doing all kinds of things to deceive man. Remember, he is subtle and deceptive. And so he thought, okay, the only way to stop people worshiping God is to get them worshiping something else. They won't worship me. (laughs) Generally, people don't want to go worship the devil outright. You know what I'm trying to say? Okay, so let's do it so they got some other options. That's how this thing works, by the way. Anyway. Let's get back to this and finish because I'm, I'm almost running out of time. So again it says, He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Verse 52, He has put down the mighty from their thrones. Remember, if I had time, I would have gone and shown you in Daniel chapter 4, verses 30 through 37. Remember Nebuchadnezzar surveyed all of his kingdom and said how amazing he was and thought himself to be a god and boom. Judgment struck. Next thing, he's chewing on grass. I'm not talking about the type that gets you high. I'm talking about lawnmower grass. <laughs> you know, the stuff that, that Brad cuts. Okay? And he's like an, a wild animal for years. And that's not the only job Brad does, by the way. <laughs> on the weekends. All right, sorry, I had to clarify that. <laughs> okay? But, I mean, that's, that's what he's talking about. That is one of the examples. And that king acknowledges that God is the true God. And that when his heart was lifted up, this happened. And he was warned not to do that by God because it opened the door to the devil. And yes, the Old Testament writes everything is God. Only a few Old Testament saints understood that there was a devil. Ezekiel and Isaiah are the only two. Daniel got insight and revelation into some of those things. But those two are the only ones that talk about Lucifer and his fall. Everything else in the Bible doesn't know about the devil. They only think it's God, it's God, it's God, everything is God. And so many Christians today have that own Old Testament mentality that, think, that still think that God is doing everything. They still don't get it that Jesus came and said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And you need to see the difference. And he went about everywhere, healing everyone. And I'm going to leave it there. So, verse 53, I've got to finish this. He has filled the hungry with good things. and the, Oh, wait, I missed something, didn't I? Uh, he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. That's verse 52. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. In the Old Testament, had I had time, I would have, I would have told you this, that society expected that the rich people have everything and the poor people go hungry. And what Mary is saying now is everything is going to be turned over. He's going to take bread and feed multitudes. Amen. He's going to start doing things that are miraculous. 
People that couldn't do a job because they were crippled suddenly were going to get their hands and their legs back and be able to go to work and find worth in their life. He's going to heal every single person that comes to him. He's going to be doing extraordinary things, changing people's views on things and attitudes and everything. And verse 54, he says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he has spoken to our fathers, this is so key, to Abraham and his seed forever. Yes, brother, that's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hang on a second. Galatians 3.29 says, If you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. Hallelujah. We're all in this. Amen. Verse 56, and we'll end here. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her house. Because she didn't, you might say, why three months? Well, Elizabeth is now about to, if you all know your math, six months plus three months equals nine months, means baby's going to come, means everybody's going to be there, means Mary's going to start getting questions about, are you pregnant? <laughs> to avoid all of that, she says to Elizabeth, I need to go now, because your joyous occasion is going to turn into something else if I'm here. Isn't that wonderful? She didn't stand there and go, well, God will bless and look after me and do something amazing. You know, somebody said God didn't bless stupid people. But anyway, that's not me, okay? There's somebody else. But, <laughs> you know, don't do dumb things. That's why Jesus says, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I so wish I could teach the church that lesson. Don't just go do stuff there. You know, the devil tried to get Jesus to do that. He said, just throw yourself off here. And the angels will bear you up is what most people do and how most people think. Do you know what you do when you do that? You are putting yourself in a situation that didn't exist until you decided you were going to do, go do that. And then in doing that, you are forcing God's hand to do something and for him to do something he didn't need to do. Be careful with things like that. Amen? Not to leave you on a downer, but <laughs> I've run out of time. Yeah, I know, I know. Let's have every head bowed, every head closed. We're done for today. Father, we just thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for these incredible prophecies. And all the things that it is teaching us. All the insights that we are gaining. And Father, that like Elizabeth, that we will never be jealous of somebody else's success. Somebody else that might get honored above us. That we learn to walk in humility. That we look to you, God, for our blessing. We look to you, not man. And therefore, we don't get upset when things might be going somebody else's way more than our way. We just rejoice with them. Because in the rejoicing, there is blessing. There is provision. And we just thank you, Father, and protection. And we just thank you, Father, that today, as we have gone through these prophecies, that we receive them and that we understand that we are blessed more than we'd ever realized because of these events, because of what happened here. The church came into being and we became the body of Christ. Hallelujah. Kings and priests in your kingdom. Every single one of us. 
And we give you the praise and the glory for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.